0: Hour two, Blaine and Mickey starts right now on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Lucas Panzeca, stepping in for Mickey Ryan as he enjoys a well-deserved day off. Just switching over from the other side of the glass. Brett Bachelor helping us out, making the show happen. Joined, of course, by the hitman, Blaine Bishop. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. No, not Friday. Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday will be week 15 in the NFL. Four games on Monday and Tuesday alone. not. Friday, right? No games tonight, right? <laughs> I see you get sad. I don't know. Unless, <laughs> unless somebody got pushed up a couple of days.
1: Man, I'm holding my breath right now, man. Well, I'm not going to hold my breath to say that because it may be another game pushed. We have no idea. I mean, we still have another day to determine if some other things may uh, <laughs> come uh, come out that uh, didn't expect. I mean, this thing is uh, uncontrollable, so I have no idea.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're conflicted about it, right? Because you think about, oh, four games, Monday and Tuesday. All right. Go from one to four. That's awesome. But then the reason, of course, uh, is awful. So many key players on the COVID list, and it just feels like, Mm. here we go again.
1: Well, speaking of, you know, conflicted, I'm conflicted on, do I want the Colts or the Patriots to win?
0: I'm conflicted right now. That game's still on. Yeah, right. But who do the Titans fans want to win? Win Win-win, right? If... You beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. Right. So we'll obviously know the result. If, if and when. Right. Colts, and pa- right. Colts and Patriots <laughs> play Saturday night. If the Titans defeat the Steelers on Sunday, they will finish week 15 as either the one seed in the AFC or they will have the AFC South clinched. People are conflicted about this. I think people are wary of the Colts. I know you are. Yeah, I am. The team is hot right a really now. Solid team. Don't want to give them any wiggle room. Uh, I don't even the- want to the playoff. <laughs> but you say you want you say you want the Colts to win on Saturday. Yeah, uh, just to help them get the number one seed. I think they're gonna win the AFC South. I think that's a far gone conclusion.
1: Looking at that record, they, they so I and looking at the Colts record. So I I don't want the number one seed.
0: Yeah. And get the the bye. Magic number is two, right? Mm-hmm. Any combination of Titans wins or Colts losses that adds up to two clinches the AFC South for the Titans. So, looking at the rest of the remaining schedule, we'll start with the Colts. Obviously, they play the Patriots on Saturday. They're at the Cardinals, who are without DeAndre Hopkins, rest of this regular season. Mm-hmm. They're home against the Raiders, and they're at a rejuvenated Jacksonville Jaguars team who just got rid of their locker room cancer and head coach, Urban Meyer.
1: Well, uh, yeah, regardless, they're going to beat them and the Raiders. But <laughs> in my mind. So then it comes down to the Cardinals-Pats. And I think they're going to get the Pats. Uh, and the Pats are six. I think they're on a 6-0 uh, road uh, win streak. Something They're, they're on a
0: seven-game win streak win total.
1: Streak? Right, total. So I think on, a lot of it's on the road. I think they're 6-0. So this will be a big one. I, I think they're going to get uh, Mac Jones and crew.
0: Titans at the Steelers, 49ers here for Thursday Night Football at Miami and at Houston to close out the season. So if you get the job done against Pittsburgh and the Colts defeat the Patriots, literally all you have to do is win one of your last three games where you take on the Houston Texans on the road. All you have to do, Blaine, is not get swept by the two-win Houston Texans.
1: Oh Well, that won't happen. They, they'll beat them the next time. And then they have what, the 49ers and Dolphins, and who else? That's
0: it? 49ers, Dolphins, Texans. Texans. After Pittsburgh on yeah. Sunday.
1: Oh, the Dolphins, Uh, they've been playing pretty solid as well as the 49ers. They got to come in West Coasty. to pretty much the Southeast Coast. So maybe that'll play a
0: part in that. I don't know. Six one five seven three seven one zero four five. Who do you want to win, Colts or Patriots, on Saturday? As long as the one seed is still in play. I'm still in on rooting against the New England Patriots. Maybe now, see, I'm greedy.
1: And I think that's where I'm coming from. That's where I want the Colts. I think my hatred for the Patriots is more than the Colts. <laughs> I think that's where it's coming from because you win either way. Uh, but, man, the Colts are a good team, uh, top to bottom. They just had some uh, unfortunate breaks along the way. Two of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's hear from Jonah in Cool Springs. Jonah, who do you want to win on Sunday or on yes. Saturday?
2: Oh, okay, on Saturday, on Saturday, I've got to give it to you real. we got to get the Patriots to lose. Because mm-hmm. we don't have a tiebreaker over the Patriots. Right. We have tiebreakers over the Chiefs. Uh, we have tiebreakers for sure over the Colts. So, who else Who else is up there? The Ravens? Who else is up there in the top three? Ravens
0: 8-5. and five. Yeah, they're 8-5. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm, Chiefs are the Chiefs me. are 10-4 are, are after the win last night.
2: Yeah. The Chargers could have helped us if that coach knew how to kick a field goal uh when he needs to. That would help us a little bit. But oh, that's painful. <laughs> it's bad, but guys my question and by the way, I just wanna say this real quick. Uh I appreciate you guys so much. I actually grew up here. Um I went to school with Will Bowling at VA. So I played ball there. Uh, I love you guys stuff. I love what he's doing and um uh, I mean been a Titans fan my whole life. But
1: appreciate it. Question
2: awesome. I had yeah question I had for you and this is more specifically for Blaine Mm -hmm. Um, I remember hearing this story growing up as a fan when Jeff Fisher was the coach here that playing against Bill Cowher, Jeff Fisher, I think he's with the bears that Bill Cowher basically broke his leg and ended his career. Um, My question for you, Blaine Mm -hmm. was when those games, when you guys had those games, was that ever a topic? Did he ever say, we got to get them back? Or when you were going against those Bill Cowher Steelers teams, (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thanks for the call, Jonah. <laughs> well, question. I have n- – look, I don't – I thought uh, Coach Fisher, going back on the history, I used to watch a lot of the Bears. I thought he broke his leg on special teams returning a punt, but I, I could be wrong. But that conversation never came up out of, out of Coach Fisher, and I, I had no idea if that's true that Cowher did that. Uh, so, no, they always said we're at friendly conversations uh, throughout the times we played them when we were in the AFC Central. What Fisher would talk about, though, was that the Pittsburgh Steelers at that time were the king of the mountaintop. This is exactly how he would talk about them. And he says, we're going to build our team to knock that team off the mountaintop, and we will be the team at the mountaintop. And he would talk about that pretty consistently. Yeah, He said, they are the, you know, they're the bar, so we need to reach that bar. And it starts with physicality because they were a physical team at the time, and they still are. Uh, It's really kind of the basis of, uh, you know, who they are, uh, whether they're winning or losing or stopping a run or not. Uh, So, yeah, you better put on your hard hat. So every week, I mean, we played them. It was like we're putting on neck braces. We're doubling pads up just for practice. Let let, put the message out there. This is going to be a physical game. You better come with your hard hat or you're going to get taken down by the Steelers. So that, that, that's kind of how it was
0: approached. Isn't that amazing that that culture can span over multiple eras of head coaches? I mean, the Steelers are an anomaly in that sense right. with we the amount of coaches. They only had like three coaches, right? But, it's, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. And yeah. Mike Vrabel knows. Mike Vrabel was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. yeah. So that's
1: what you're going to get. They, they still got to have talented players uh, to beat our talents. But I think we're a little more talented team, but always the talented team doesn't win, so – I'm really interested in this matchup because they have some extra days of rest since they played on Thursday. People don't take that into account. That is huge for them, especially when you have an aging quarterback like big Ben, because uh, he kind of talked about that, even playing Minnesota, how usually Thursdays was the day that he didn't practice. And then he was out there playing in a, you know actual game. And uh, maybe that's why it took him so long to warm up, even the rest of the players. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a close one, but I think the Titans are going to pull it out. But I think they're going to play them tougher than people think. And then that freshness and fresh legs is also going to bring them with uh, the physicality Or of, of
0: I would be shocked if the Titans had a 100-yard rusher. If we if – as we continue this conversation of Colts or Patriots, who do you want to win Saturday, how much are Titans players looking at that? Like, in what context are they watching that game on Saturday, right? Like, if you're a Titans player – What would you rather have? Obviously, you're focused on beating the Pittsburgh Steelers because this conversation that we're having now doesn't matter if you lose on Sunday, but what context are they watching that game? in? Would they rather be the one seed at the end of the week or would they rather have the AFC South title in the bag? Okay, let's go after the one seed.
1: Mm. Mm. (laughs) I'm not sure. I think it would be the view that I said that you want to take down a number one seed because you have to still believe, if you're the Titans, that you can be the number one seed.
0: Because the one seed will take care of the rest, yeah, right? You're the one the, seed, you're the AFC yeah, South right. champ.
1: Yeah, and then you'll fall into the lap of being AFC South if you come up a little short. So I, I think that's maybe a lot of them will think it that way. But ultimately, uh, with Fishbone, it was always about we're going to win the AFC South. Uh, and then we, we, we don't lose home games. We don't to lose home games. So then that's eight, and that's, you know, I push you at eight, and then, you know, win 16 games, then, you know, if you split on the road now, you're at twelve.
0: But there is an element of scoreboard watching, so to speak, right? When you look at the jockeying Uh, and the standings. Like in 2000, you guys are on the run. You had just lost in the Super Bowl. You're looking to get back. You're consistently in that conversation. Mm -hmm. Week to week, how much are you, Blaine Bishop, paying attention to that? Not at all.
1: Not at all. Yeah, and I I can't say I I speak for everybody else. I I wasn't a a, a big stats guy. I wasn't worried about uh, who or where we were in the standings. All I wanted to do was stay focused on the task at hand and control what I can control, and that was me and doing the best job I can do. Period. Now, was I watching it? Yes, but I wasn't cheering for one way or the other. I was hoping, but I, I, I could care less. Uh, it, it was about us winning as a team. It didn't even matter because we didn't focus on the dang going freaking team we playing. We're gonna get our butts kicked. That's just kind of, and I would think our team was mostly like that. Naturally, all the offensive guys always watch stats and games because that's how they're judged on. So, but uh, yeah, I would say most players, they didn't, yeah, we were focused really. We thought we were a a great team and we were going to go out there and show you that that's it. We did not worry about anybody else. Yeah. And and, and now in the media, that was always the talk. And sometimes when you're having conversations in the locker room, those questions come up, but I think they're pretty much, you know, answered just like I just said, Uh, you know, maybe a little bit different in the context of it, but. Yeah, I, I I don't think any time I was ever worried about uh, another team. Now you're watching, uh, and I was always a proponent of I wanted to play the team like if I was playing, I would rather play the Colts because I, I know them. I play them twice a year. Yeah. I know their personnel. I know what they like to do. That puts me in a comfortable mode where I can let my instincts just kind of take over and play freely. Uh, when I say that, it is, you know, freely people – play and just say I'm doing my job. Uh, uh, playing freely is what Kevin Byer did on that play when they did the, you know, uh toss back to the quarterback and then throw it down the sidelines and he broke up the pass to the tight end. Yeah. He had no business being there. But he's a great player and he played off his instincts. He took away the post on the post route and came down on the on the wheel route and made a great great play. That's playing freely. The guy a normal guy would say, I did my job. I took the post away, you know, Everybody else has to rally. He did both.
0: On the hardwood tomorrow, Tennessee and Memphis. That game's still on as it feels like we've got to add that caveat to everything now with all the COVID news coming through across leagues in the U.S. and really around the world. But Memphis and Tennessee in Bridgestone Arena. David Cobb of CBS Sports, the National College Basketball and Football columnist, uh, he's covered both teams. We'll join us coming up next, and we'll squeeze in Jack from Portland, find out who he's rooting for right. on Saturday.
1: Yeah, And one last thing. What if the Colts and Pat's, Pat's tie? I saw my, my girl Sandy. Dick said that. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't even been entertained.
0: We'll talk about it next on Blaine and Mickey. That is a great question. Welcome back. Hour two of Blaine and Mickey continues. 104.5 The Zone. Lucas Panzica stepping in from across the glass to fill in for Mickey Ryan with Blaine Bishop, Brett Batchelor making it happen. Who do you want to win on Saturday? Colts or Patriots? If the Titans get it done in Pittsburgh, they will either be AFC South champs or the new one seed in the AFC with still one more game to win or one more game for the Colts to lose to clinch that AFC South title. David Cobb of CB Sports will join us here in a couple minutes. We will talk Vols and Memphis in Bridgestone Arena tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I know you're fascinated with this, uh, Lucas, so I had to say this. NFL amended
1: schedule, games will be tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So only game is missed is Wednesday.
0: You're right. All the
1: way going to the following week.
0: Raiders-Browns move to Monday. Rams-Seahawks is on Tuesday. Washington-Philly also on Tuesday. Let's squeeze in RJ and Phoenix here, who's going to tell us who he's rooting for on Saturday. What's up, RJ? What's
3: up, Lucas? What's up, uh, Blaine? What's going on? So so I called you a couple days ago, Lucas, and I told you I changed your mind about the whole win the South or the number one seed thing. Right. And I was just listening and what made me call in is you said the exact thing that made me change my mind. You said that if we lose the game, then it don't matter between Indy and New England. Oh, but it does. Because if we lose the game, we would much rather have New England have beat Indy beat to keep right. us good. Yeah, to keep us good for the yeah. South. So it does make a difference because if we lose and Indy win, it's like we lost twice. So for the South and for Basically, peace of mind. and know we in there like swimwear, man. We got to have the coach to lose, man, because everybody's looking at – they're assuming that we're going to win. What if we don't? And the coach won. Then we really in a bind. You know what I'm saying? So let's go on and root for New England to go on and get us the number one seed. That way we good. We, we know we going to beat Pittsburgh. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying if we sitting here talking about who to root for, the Titans have more the game win and loss, by Indy losing. Mm, that's
0: a good point, RJ. Ah, argue, no, yeah. Nobody has thought about it in that context, yeah. right? What's better if the Titans don't get it done?
1: Well, well, well what's yeah? What, what goes back to what I said? The Titans worry about themselves. That's all they need to do. Care, take care of their business. Yep. See, got to focus on, on you, man. You can't be worried about what everybody else is doing.
0: We'll circle back here to this conversation. <laughs> People have gone back and forth on it. And what if they tie? We did not even talked about that. Oh <laughs> well, no! Well, what won't end in a tie tomorrow? tennessee and memphis 11 a.m central tip-off at bridgestone arena david cobb of cbs sports joins us now david uh, first of all man uh, appreciate the time right out the gate i got it how does this work are the fists already bald before tip-off like instead of a post-game handshake is it a bald fist fist bump between rick barnes and penny hardaway I mean, there's thousands of people going to this game that are in the dark. We need to know.
4: (laughs) I've been a little disappointed at the lack of trash talk uh, so far. I haven't seen anything emanating from either side. Uh, Nobody getting jabs in on social media. Uh, Waiting for, like, Admiral Schofield to, like, jump in and just, you know, uh, light things off. But, uh, you know, nothing as of yet. Uh, However, I do suspect that uh, once they get on the court, there will be uh, no shortage of, of hostility and uh, what, as of now, is is going to be the last, you know, meeting uh, between these teams for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. This rivalry is just has this interesting narrative, right, that some years it's played, some years it's not. It's never consistent. And then now you've got this little three-game set, one in Memphis, one in Knoxville, one in Nashville. And we don't really know what the future holds moving forward. I mean, just from your perspective of this rivalry that I know you've seen it from both ends, spending time in Knoxville and Chattanooga and Memphis across the state covering basketball – I mean just what makes this rivalry so interesting off the court, you know, besides all yeah. the bust-ups that you see, but just with the scheduling and everything else that comes with it.
4: Well, I mean, I think uh one one dynamic of it that we'll see tomorrow is the uh the battle for in-state talent. I mean, it's no secret that Memphis produces a ton of high-level Division 1 basketball talent, and Tennessee historically has tried to recruit uh the Memphis area. And they did so quite well in this past cycle by fishing, you know, Kennedy Chandler uh, out of Memphis. You know, he played his last year at Sunrise Christian in, in Kansas. But, I mean, he is a Memphis kid through and through who, who was born and raised, you know, within, uh, you know, a dozen miles or so of that of that Memphis campus. And so that's a big get uh, for Tennessee to go in there and get them. And obviously, you know, not the first. I, I think back to uh, several years back, uh, Antonio Barton, a guy who, uh, started his career at Memphis and transferred to Tennessee. Uh, saw both sides. of It um, you know played played uh, in that game on on both teams. Uh, so there's uh, just a lot of familiarity I think between the programs um, this year. That common link or bond is is certainly uh, Kennedy Chandler. Uh, he's he's a uh, you know a, a huge player in this game and the type of player that frankly uh, Memphis could could really benefit from having on their roster mm-hmm. due to the fact that they don't really have a true point guard. So I think that's going to be a a key kind of storyline, a fun one to keep tabs on uh, in this game is how Kennedy Chandler kind of handles that, that pressure, that spotlight of being the Memphis kid who went to Knoxville to play um, as he, you know, uh, takes on his old uh, hometown team in in a huge game.
1: And we're on with David Cobb who covers uh, college uh, football as well as basketball for CBS sports. Uh, David, I'm going to stay on that a little bit. How much do you think this is going to affect Kennedy Chandler in that controlling his emotions back at home? uh, You know, I'm sure a lot of people wanted him to go to Memphis, but he chose to go to Tennessee. Do you think it's going to affect this game or, you know, early in the game where his emotions may take over?
4: You know, he's actually been a a pretty cool customer, you you know, through the first 10 games of this season. It doesn't seem like much rattles him, but I I guarantee you if, if you were able to, probe down a little deeper there, you, you you know, he would have to admit that there's uh, something more uh, to this game. And, and he's so important because I think what Memphis was able to do against Alabama on Monday and getting a big win against uh, the, the Crimson Tide was, you know, they were able to really speed up uh, Alabama. They forced, I think, 17 turnovers. Um, and, and so the spotlight's going to be on Tennessee's ball handlers. Uh, how do they handle the intense pressure defense? uh that, that Memphis uh brings. Um if they if Tennessee can kinda uh keep the pace down and settle into a half court type of game, I think they can out execute Memphis in a half court environment. But if if Kennedy Chandler kind of gets caught up in the frenetic pace that Memphis is trying to play and those emotions are, you know, uh kind of have, have have his adrenaline a little higher, um it could lead to some miscues. And those are the types of things that, that can snowball Uh, For a team like Memphis and and help them gain some momentum that that was their, you know, formula against Alabama the other night. So uh, it's a huge game um, for for, for Tennessee's ball handlers. And I know, obviously, Kennedy Chandler is not the only uh, guy who, who brings the ball up the floor for Tennessee. Uh, But he's got the ball in his hands uh, uh, quite a bit of the time. And so how he handles that is going to be a huge part of this.
1: Mm, Great point there, uh, David, because against Texas Tech, they had problems and issues, uh, Tennessee did, with the length of Texas Tech. And it kind of seems like it's going to be a little bit similar playing against uh, uh, Memphis. So with all that being said, now that they've kind of gotten back on track with the big win over Alabama, how do you think uh, Penny has done just overall – as a coach in his his short stint so far there in memphis
4: yeah i would say um overall i'd give him a a c plus uh Mm -hmm. because the recruiting has been so good i mean and that's i mean a lot of what fans in memphis truly care about i mean they can uh continue to put up poor results on the court but the the folks there then will quickly forget about that if if you tell them that there's a a five-star kid you know, visiting uh, next week. You know, it's that kind of environment, and that that mindset is left over from the Cal era, where when Calipari was there, they enjoyed so much success with those five-star guys that it's almost as if that fan base has been trained uh, that the the recruiting rankings are more important than what happens on the court. Mm. And I think they're just now kind of getting to a point where uh, they're, they're realizing that recruiting rankings don't automatically... Uh, translate to on-court success. And so the next evolution for Penny, uh, and I thought he took strides in this last year, is really implementing a a cohesive and coherent uh, system, um, offensively in particular, because their defense has always been really good under Penny Hardaway, uh, but the offense has has largely not been. And they took strides in that regard last season, but with all the new pieces, they're having to figure it out once again this year. And that's why I say if if this one gets into a half-court Uh, Type of game, I still think Tennessee, even with the uh, issues they had against Texas Tech, would would be able to out execute Memphis. But but if they if they let it devolve into some sort of a a, a frenzy or a uh, an an undisciplined AAU type uh, scene, which is what you know people often say Memphis plays. As somewhat of an insult, um, that, then I think that, that, you know, Memphis would thrive in that environment because people say that and they mean it in a derogatory fashion. Oh, Penny can't coach. He runs an AAU system. But if you let them do that, um, they're pretty good at it. And so I think that's, you know, a key element to all of this is, is can Tennessee kind of dictate the pace of the game? Mm.
1: How do you see UT uh, doing in the SEC this year uh, with it being starting here uh, pretty soon?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're a pretty good candidate to be one of those top four teams who, who get a double bye uh, in the SEC tournament. Uh, it's a league that um, I think still is figuring out its pecking order. Uh, Alabama, even after the loss to Memphis, I think is who a lot of folks would, would pick as their favorite. But Kentucky hasn't looked strong. They don't have a, a quality win really at all uh, on their resume and could be in a really tight spot heading into conference play if they – um, you know, can't beat North Carolina uh, on Saturday. So uh, the, the, you know, suggestion that, oh, uh, Kentucky and Alabama are the clear-cut favorites, I don't know if I necessarily uh, agree with that. I think uh, Alabama, Auburn, Arkansas uh, have a chance to win the league as well. Um, you know, but Tennessee should be right there. I, I don't see any reason why uh, this team, you know, can't compete for uh, the league title.
1: You know, with David Kaibu covers uh, college basketball for CBS Sports.
0: David, I'm curious because you talk about a little bit more big-picture stuff already with Penny Hardaway and his tenure at Memphis. But just what have you made of the early evaluation or evolution, I should say, of this this iteration of the Memphis Tigers? Because you've gone from some bad losses early, Penny Hardaway calling out his veterans, calling them selfish, uh, talking about looking like an AAU team, uh, to running away from six ranked Alabama at home in front of a crazy atmosphere at FedEx Right.
4: I mean, they're just the ultimate chaos team. I mean, uh, we'll see. I think, you know, with the win over Alabama, they're probably going to have an NCAA tournament resume when it's all said and done, Uh, you know, so long as they don't just, you know, really make a mess in the AAC. Uh, And when they get there, they're going to be one of those teams that uh, maybe, let's say hypothetically a 10 seed that you would not want to play, a type of team that could get hot and, and make a deep run, or they could be a, a team that, that gets bounced with a 15-point loss in the first round. They're just going to be that, on that yo-yo, I think, all year um, as they sort of uh, navigate um, what is an ultra-deep roster. And so I think that's the big issue for Penny right now is figuring out who to play, how many minutes to play them, um, you know, defining the roles on, on a roster full of guys uh, who were top 100 prospects, you know, uh, just kind of refining who they are, and as they do that, it's just going to be chaos. So, um, you know, figuring out what to make of them is still a challenge. My my, my big thing from Memphis on Saturday is is can they match uh, the energy and emotion that that they had to expend to get that Alabama victory? Because that was a backs against the wall type of moment for that mm-hmm. program, and they really delivered and came through behind what was a a, a really raucous home crowd. Obviously, I would say Tennessee's going to have the, the the fan advantage in Nashville just because it's a statewide fan base. And so, uh, you know, how does Memphis handle uh, that environment? And can they match the energy that they had, you know, against Alabama versus a Tennessee team that I think, you know, should be quite a bit more fresh in this game? Yeah, you mentioned the word
0: chaos. Uh, and that's what I've been feeling like has been the case for this team all week. Like, they thrive in that environment. So, you also say Tennessee's going to want to – Make this a half-court game, kind of settle things down, play defense. Which team can play the other team's style better? You know what I mean. If this game becomes a chaotic up and down matchup, right. who does that favor? And if this game really slows down, who does that kind of who? Who do you think can respond to the other opposing style in a better fashion?
4: I mean, I think Tennessee can run. I think there have been times this season where I thought against Texas Tech they, they should have run more um, and tried to get out in transition because clearly in that game with the abysmal three-point shooting, um, you know, even with some good looks they were getting from beyond the arc, you know, the half-court stuff just was not working, and I thought they should have gone to a press or just tried to quicken the tempo of that game a little bit. Um, I think Tennessee can kind of play both ways. Um, I think Memphis, if it were pitted against an overmatched opponent, um, could could survive okay in a half-court, you know, type of game, Uh, but, you know, Tennessee ranks number one in defense at Ken Palm, so it's not as if, Uh, you know, Memphis can slow it down and expect to generate easy buckets against Tennessee. So, I mean, if it does get frenetic, I think Tennessee stands a better chance uh, than than Memphis would um, in a knockdown, drag out, you know, type of game like we saw Tennessee play against Texas Tech. I think Tennessee can play both ways, um, and I think that, you know, should help the Vols, you know, in this game.
1: With all that being said, David Cobb uh, from CBS Sports, give us, uh, I guess, your shot. Call your shot. Who's going to win this game? (laughs) (laughs)
4: Yeah, I I just filed my uh, prediction for CBS Sports for our website, and I think it's going to be Tennessee 70, uh, Memphis 68. So that would be Memphis covering the spread and uh, Tennessee getting a win uh, straight up. So I I just don't see Tennessee struggling to shoot the ball as much as it did against Texas Tech. I mean, that was just such an anomaly. Bridgestone Arena is an arena that at least some of those players are familiar with, you know, from the the, uh, SEC tournament. I think that'll help. Um, you know, and like I said, just Memphis, the, the energy factor required after just a few days, um, you know, removed from from that, that Alabama game and such an emotional scene, you know, getting, getting the energy back up to go and do that again, I think is a tall order. So I think Tennessee wins, but I think it'll be a really close game. Mm-hmm.
1: I have to ask you this question because every time I watch Memphis, I'm always intrigued of how they came up with this. How did they determine how they're going to make the color of the floor that way? Because I'm watching the color of the floor, not even the players, David. Was it a vote? Was it like a (laughs) player vote? (laughs) What is the deal behind the floor? I mean, it's cool, Uh, but I'm like,
4: eh. You know, given the way that program operates, they probably just, like, asked some five-star prospects if they thought it was cool. (laughs) And they they were probably like, yeah, that's cool, and then they just rolled with it. But, But I'm with you.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, David, uh, on the way out, man, and we appreciate the time. David Cobb of CBS Sports with us. Uh, Kennedy Chandler, he's had some really nice moments, carried this team at times through years, the the freshman point guard for Tennessee, almost 15 points per game, uh, over five assists per game. You've seen some freshman moments early on, still with time to grow, but given your coverage is not just Tennessee or even restricted to the SEC, how have you seen Kennedy Chandler kind of stack up with other freshman point guards Across college basketball, as he came out of high school as the number one point guard in high school basketball.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I would say he's lived up to the hype. I mean, I know it hasn't been perfect, and there's been you know some games where he struggled uh, shooting the ball from the from the floor. Uh, But all in all, this this guy has been you know I think kind of what Tennessee was missing last year when they were forced to play uh, Vescovi you know at the one um, the majority of the time, and we're seeing this year how Vescovi can thrive off the ball and kennedy chandler's presence on the ball um, has a lot to do with that so i think in total he's been kind of exactly what this team needed now i do think they miss um, kind of that wing type of player like keon johnson who's super versatile Uh, but i think the trade-off has been good for tennessee to have a true facilitator and as somebody who ranks the freshman every week in a a season-long tally um kennedy chandler's been in the in the top 10 of of all freshmen in the country every week so far this season in that poll and um you know i think uh, of that group he's probably the top point guard uh in the mix so he's been solid and uh you know we're about to see what he's got as the uh, the competition continues to to increase especially not just for this memphis game but you talk about arizona and alabama uh coming up for for tennessee as well it's going to be um a lot of eyes on kennedy chandler especially uh from nba scouts who are trying to figure out is is this guy a lottery pick is he a first round guy or 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 what's the deal and i think so um now it's just you know him going out there and and showing it on the big stage should be a fun
0: environment david thanks so much man enjoy the game appreciate it yeah absolutely Thanks, thanks guys he is david cobb at david w cobb covers college hoops and college football for cbs sports all right he called his shot Blaine, we'll call ours on the other side. Call your shot. I've got one. Blaine's got one. Brett Bachelor making the show happen today. He has one as well. We want to hear yours, 615-737-1045 or at Blaine and Mickey on Twitter. We'll be right back. Wrap up the show on this Friday. It's Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. Getting out of here with the Friday vibes, Brett Bachelor, sending us home. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. It is time to call your shot uh, yeah. on Blaine and Mickey. Uh, appreciate you having me, Blaine. Yeah, it's no, fun to thanks. step you over know, from the a, other side of the glass.
1: Job, I uh, expected nothing less. Uh, you know, expectations are always high for Lucas.
0: <laughs> always fun, always fun. Hope Mickey Ryan's enjoying his time with family. We'll see him back here next week. Uh, you will be seeing more football next week, not just on Monday Night Football on Tuesday as well. COVID postponements. Across the NFL, Rams and Seahawks been moved to Tuesday, Washington and Philadelphia have been moved to Tuesday, and Raiders and Browns, which was supposed to happen tomorrow afternoon, is now on Monday. So you've got a Monday night doubleheader, Raiders Browns and then Vikings and Bears.
1: Hmm. Yeah, so you
0: only one uh, Wednesday, it's the only day off,
1: man. Football forever. Oh, it's my world, man. I'm loving it. Yeah man, it's a,
0: it's an afflicted feeling, right? Because it's an awful. You don't. It's the worst outbreak the NFL has had since oh, the start right, of the right, pandemic. Right. So there's a, obviously that element, but it's, it's everyday football. You got football every day until oh, t- until it's Tuesday, until Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, bro.
1: <laughs> what about you? You got your shot ready, man. I got two
4: shots.
0: Oh, Ooh, Brett's got two shots. Bringing the hammer. All right. So, so
4: I'm going with my first one is I'm calling that the Titans are going to end up winning the division this week because the Patriots are going to beat the Colts on Saturday. Titans are going to win on Sunday. And then, I know you guys know this, but I'm a big golf guy. Tiger and his son Charlie are playing in the PNC Championship this week. Tiger and Charlie will be in contention to win the PNC Championship this weekend.
0: Ooh. There you go. Ooh. Tiger Spoken back at like a it. True golfer. Brett Bachelor, former golfer at uh, Montevallo <laughs> at the collegiate level. Yeah. You Call your yours? shot. Brought to you by Chattanooga Whiskey, available at your favorite Nashville retail store. Drink Chattanooga Whiskey and enjoy it responsibly. I'll go ahead and give mine. I'm going against what Brett just said. Uh, I think the Colts get it done. I think the Colts beat the Patriots and a seven-game winning streak, the longest active winning streak in the NFL right now. New England without running back Damian Harris, who's had a really nice season Mm -hmm. with the hamstring. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, though, has really come along nicely as a a backup with Harris being out. But Colts have it at home. They're really hot right now. Defense playing really, really well. Uh, I think the Colts knock off the pats. I think if the Titans win on Sunday, they will be the one seed still with a game to go to clinch the AFC South. Yeah, I'm. I'm I want to go Colts as well over the Pat.
1: Uh, I think that's uh, regardless of how that affects the Titans or not. I think the Titans going to win. So I'm, that, that's my two shots. But I have one point I actually want to make, and I don't know if it's a shot, but it's more about. The game with Brandon Staley, the uh, Chargers uh, head uh, football coach, who I think was premeditated in his mind, meditated that he was going to go into this game and he was going to go for it on fourth down every single time because he thought it was going to be a high scoring game. And I, wanted to, I want some of these coaches, I hope they're watching and, and understanding knowledge versus wisdom. So he came into the game. He understood how his plan of attack was going to be. But it changed. The score wasn't as high as he thought. It was only fourteen to ten at halftime. The wisdom now tells you the people with experience, with the knowledge you then gain, you say, "Guess what? These field goals can help me." Not to say that he should have went for field goals every time, but he should have went for them a couple of times. The game was a lot lower than expected. So I think that got you got to see the difference between knowledge and wisdom, of you know experience with the knowledge is exceptional and that's bill belichick because he comes in with a mind frame in a game of what he wants to do but he's making adjustments along the way dictated by the actual game and the wisdom that he's seen, and always looking at the film on the sideline and making adjustments even and maybe adapting and changing his plan along the way that's how you become great i think he's on the
0: right track uh but that there didn't look very good at all i agree I mean, the his whole thing after the game. Because you're right, he sounded definitive. That is what that was premeditated, right? That is what they were going to do, given the opponent. Field goals aren't going to win you that type of game, was what he said.
1: And they got one of the first fourth downs, but they didn't get any points out of it, right? Field goals would have won them that game. It would have won it because it wouldn't win by two possessions. Yeah, if he would have just kicked one of them, I mean, (laughs) one of the ones that 28, uh, 28 after uh, four quarters, Cook uh, dropped. (laughs) Yeah, that was tough. Yeah, you know, Cook used to go, go, you know, he was drafted here.
0: They were two for five on fourth down. One of those conversions where they could have had an opportunity for a 42, 43-yard field goal. They go for it. They get it. They get inside the five and then come mm-hmm. up empty. No, I think they had three trips inside the five-yard line with no points. To me, that counts as a, as a non-made conversion because you came away with no points. Mm-hmm. You kick the field goal on that fourth down, you win the game. You win the football game. So, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, is your shot that you see maybe a few, a little less uh, fourth down attempts this weekend? Well,
1: I mean, this weekend? I, I guess the end all of it all is – that analytics is not the answer to all of it but it is part of the answer and I think that's why Mike Vrabel should be in the conversation for coach of the year he's figured it out sooner than most and he went for it sometimes but he didn't he didn't come in with a premeditated mindset that I'm going for it every time we've seen him evolve throughout his time and making better decisions and that's why I think he's going to be one of the best coaches if not uh, the best it should be up for coach of the year Alonzo
0: Wright says, hate to say it in the Zone TV chat, but Steelers by 10. He calls his shot. Hey, on the way out, congratulations to MTSU, the Blue Raiders. Oh, they won the Bahamas Bowl? Kickoff bowl season, 31-24 win over Toledo in the Bahamas. Now they get to go enjoy a win in the Bahamas in December. Stocksteel 101. You win number 101 for (laughs) Rick Stockstill. Congratulations, (laughs) Congratulations, man. I love bowl season. Yeah. MTSU, getting it done. It's been fun. Appreciate Brett Bachelor for helping us out. Appreciate Mickey Ryan for letting me borrow a seat. And Hitman, appreciate you. Talk to you on Monday. Always cool, man. Be safe out there. Peace. <laughs>